Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Decova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, guys. Welcome back to episode 233. Um, This is actually a really good episode. I actually met up with Matt Light down at the NWTF uh, convention down in Nashville, Tennessee. What a blast it was. Incredible. I couldn't believe it. Everybody talks about this convention. I've never been to it, but I figured that it would be the one to go to. Uh, Steve and myself kind of broke up. He went over to Harrisburg. Uh, the last week, and then this week I went over to NWTF down in Tennessee. And I'll tell you, Nashville in itself, what a great city that it is. Um, and, and huge thanks to everybody over at NWTF. The first night I was there, uh, we went to their fundraiser at the... Um, Grand Old Opry. If you guys have never been there, what an incredible place. Um, some very incredible people. It was just a phenomenal, phenomenal weekend. And NWTF put together one of probably one of the best sports shows that I've ever been to. Busy. Talk about busy. Every day was just like herding cattle and all of the aisles. Some great people down there. We met some really good new connections and networks and so on and so forth. One of them being Matt Light. Um, it's kind of funny. Matt Light is actually a, a local here in New England, right? And uh, I, he he's friends with Seth from the podcast, this, that, and the other thing. And we happen to connect down in Nashville. And that's it's funny how that always happens. But Matt Light, very intelligent person, very funny, very, you know, just a great speaking person. This podcast is absolutely phenomenal. What he's doing at the Light Foundation is absolutely incredible. Um, if you guys haven't gotten the chance to yet or haven't seen it, but Turkey Touchdown, uh, the, the, the Tom Brady of turkey hunting, this is phenomenal, hilarious. He talks about it here in the podcast, but I'll make sure to put the link below to the foundation and also the, the Turkey Touchdown because I think it's it's something really cool to watch. Um, the story is, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, the Tom Brady of turkey hunting and, um, all of that. So it was a great podcast, guys. Get ready. Listen on in. Um, what he is doing over at the Light Foundation is absolutely incredible. And it's, and it's good to see somebody who, you know, has a skill set and then takes it and turns it into something to give back to the community. Um, and, it, you know, three-time Super Bowl champion himself. So we'll have him on here in a second. Just want to get through the normal housekeeping, guys. Um, if you guys haven't gone over to Huntworth, Huntworth Gear, they are our title sponsor and the only camo that we use here at the Outdoor Drive. Um Great stuff. Their early season Durham pants, phenomenal for the turkey hunting woods. Uh, very light, 
you know, very comfortable, the butt pads and knee pads on them, the, you know, all their light, their lightweight gear, that hoodie, I'll tell you right now, it's a game changer, their lightweight hoodie when it comes to turkey hunting in the early season. So get on over there to huntworthgear.com and check those guys out um, and make sure to order something. There's always some type of sale or something going on over there, so we don't have a promo code for those guys. But um, also, Nor'easter Game Calls, nor'eastergamecalls.com. Get them in close. We're getting close to the turkey season here. Uh, there is mouth calls, pot calls, crow calls, you name it for the turkey season. Now is the time to be practicing with that stuff. So get on over to Nor'easter Game Calls and get up, get them in close, man. Get get yourself some of the, the most amazing work that Mark does up there um, with, with these turkey calls and all the other calls, locating calls and all that good stuff. Um, now is the time to get those and get ready for that stuff. Um, Latitude, LatitudeOutdoors.com. Guys, they, they have some incredible new products coming out. They just came out with their new knee pads uh, for you guys that are mobile hunting. Um, if you're looking to get into mobile hunting, now's the time to get on over there and get your gear. It's always it's always that time of year to be practicing, messing around with new stuff, building your climb, getting ready for mobile hunting. It's it you know it really is you know it's a game changer. It you know there's not there's not really a scenario where I I couldn't saddle hunt. Um, there's always always a way when it comes to mobile hunting and saddle hunting so go on and check those guys over at latitudeoutdoors.com uh last but not least bow hunters united bow hunters united the advocates for us as bow hunters uh go and check them out it's a free website over there at bowhuntersunited.com and uh you can get a membership and they do some really good stuff for us um so go on and check them over at bowhuntersunited.com so before I break into the the podcast, um, it's that time of year, guys. We are super excited for turkey hunting season. Turkey hunting season is is right around the corner. We've had some phenomenal guests with a lot more great guests to come along. Um, I think one of the things that we're we're going to push for here in the outdoor drive is doing a, a virtual. Uh, podcast from here on out. So we're going to work on that here in the next couple of weeks. So just just think about it. Take a look at it. We're going to then stream online. We have turkey hunting videos. Those are starting to come out. All of our stuff on YouTube starting to kind of kind of pump on. So make sure to go check out the Outdoor Drive on YouTube. Um, we just It's that time of year. Shed hunting season is full-fledged. Um, so get out there and find those sheds. Find those missing pieces. Put the pieces of the puzzle together for your upcoming deer season. There's just a lot of good time. You know, this downtime of the off-season is time to start putting in work. Time to start thinking about stand sets, finding killing trees, um, getting ready for turkey season, scouting. I mean, you know, just because the turkey season starts in early May uh, or late late uh, April here in New England, uh, it, it starts earlier in the southern states. But now is that time that those birds start to get kind of, you know, their pecking order and stuff. So you can get out and scout for them and see them and they'll start to pop out and be in places. And so now's the time to kind of get on the road and kind of do your, your due diligence and, and, and find it. Um, one of the things speaking of, um, that I almost forgot is we're actually going to do a questions and answers with the guys from real outdoors TV up at waypoint, uh, distillery in Bloomfield, Connecticut. So, Make sure to take and take a look on social media. Um, those should be coming out. They actually are a pre-order ticket of, uh, I believe, somewhere in the twenty-five to thirty-dollar range. Uh, you'll get a flight of booze, um, different, you know, things from the distiller, and then you'll also get some food. And then we're gonna do a questions and answer type seminar videos, so on and so forth. So make sure to check that stuff out. Don't miss out on it. We'll definitely post it up on our social media when the links start to go live. But um, some really cool things. Um, so let's break on in. Let's get Matt Light on. I think this is a real good podcast. Um, some really cool information. Just a great talk with Matt and and what he's done and and what it what's you know come to fruition with the things that he's he's got going on. So let's get Matt Light on the phone and uh, or actually let's let's uh, <laughs> let's go back in our time machine. We'll get to the NWTF and and have a good conversation with Matt. So all right, here we go, guys.
Thor Drive Podcast. All right, guys. Welcome back. Yet yeah, another episode, another week down. I think this is like episode 233, 234. I don't really know. So we're down here in Nashville at National Wild Turkey Federation. We actually bumped into Matt Light. I mean, what's up, man? How are you? Buddy, I am good. It's, uh, we had Nashville, Tennessee, man. This is the place to be right now. If you're a, honestly, if you're just an outdoor lover in general, but if you like getting after birds, I mean, this is where it's at. It's kind of crazy. In all the years of being in the outdoor field, hunting, fishing, I've never been to Nashville. So to open the gates and to, to start a conversation with you, I think is, is definitely a gift come true, I think, honestly. So I appreciate you joining us. No, glad to be here, man. Last year was my first convention. You know, I've, I've been to SHOT Show, SCIs, you know, the, some of the big Western shows, um, stuff in the Midwest, you know. No, nothing like this, though. You Me know, either. you know, this is uh, last year was the 50th. They made a big deal about it. Right? right. I mean, they've been doing this since the early 80s. And, uh, you know, you think about the guys that have, you know, really kind of created this out of thin air. You know, there wasn't a bird, a turkey where I grew up in Ohio. And, you know, people that live in New England, you know, they're tired of seeing birds, but they don't realize that. You know, they took a monumental effort. It's the most successful, you know, restocking of any species, period. Right. And when you think about that and you think about the work that NWTF has done and, you know, what sportsmen have done in general, you know, with paying their dues and creating habitat and, you know, providing opportunities like this. I mean, it gives a group like ours, you know, the work we do through the Light Foundation, mm-hmm. a heck of a platform to get kids engaged and away from electronics and into the outdoors and working with mentors and getting opportunities to see something that most people, man, if they don't wake up early, they, they'll never realize. That's right. Yeah, nothing like, like the sun coming up and the world coming alive. Yeah. It's definitely that. Why don't we turn this thing right into four-wheel drive? Why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so, you know, look, Matt Light, just a kid that grew up in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. You know, I I was born and raised in West Central Ohio. And for anybody that knows their history, I grew up in the uh, home of Little Miss Sure Shot herself, Miss Annie Oakley. (laughs) And uh, that's about as big as it gets in my hometown of Greenville, Ohio. Uh, Signing of the Greenville Treaty took place in 17... Eighty-six. I don't know. It's terrible. We, <laughs> right. I know we celebrated many years of that being around, but anyway, a um, lot, lot of history where I grew up in the Midwest. You know, it's kind of a, from a historical perspective, it's, you know, people on the East Coast left like Rufus Putnam out of Massachusetts and did a deal with, you know, this new president of ours, you know, Mr. Washington to mm-hmm. buy lands in Ohio and, and cause there was nothing in the Northeast, right? right? You had all these men that, you know, fought and a lot of them died and, you know, they were promised, you know, some money. Well, you know, the United States didn't have money, but they had land. And so they went out there and they settled in this area of the Ohio river Valley and then made their way up where, where I grew up and, and, uh, you know, the, the native American culture, you know, the hunting, um, people kind of know about, you know, there's big bucks in the Kentucky, Ohio, you know, all those kind of areas. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate. I was a kid who grew up, you know, big farming community. And, you know, I could walk out my backyard and go for miles and not see anyone or anything other than, you know, what's wild. And, you know, my great-grandfather was in the Outdoor Writers Association. That was a big deal back in the day. My grandfather was, you know, my uh, – they started a column that was ran three generations from my great-grandfather to grandfather to my uncle that wrote the Lights Outdoors column in the local paper. And so when I was a kid, man, I'd, I'd get featured, you know, my uncle would write about me going fishing or hunting with him. And man, I thought I was the king of the world, you know, I mean, small town, you see yourself in print, you know, it's pretty cool. So, uh, you know, we, we lived the outdoors, man. The vacations we took as a kid were pre 1800 encampments. They call rendezvous where everybody goes in. You can't have anything that's more modern than the year to 1800, right? We're mm-hmm. sleeping on lean twos and teepees wearing buckskins and having the time of our lives, man, playing music every night. And, uh, you know, went from that to uh, to basically people telling me I could go play college football somewhere and was lucky enough to go to Purdue. Had a lot of success there with a guy named Drew Brees. He's not tall enough to really be a good quarterback in the league, but he was pretty good in college, you know. But, I mean, actually he did do pretty well in the league too, I guess. <laughs> and anyway, uh, you know, basically never watched a game in my life. You know, my father had severe polio growing up. That's why we did everything in the outdoors. That's what he did. And, uh you know, ended up having this crazy ride playing this football game, but got me away from hunting. But what it did do, 
is it allowed me to do the one thing I never do did growing up, and that's turkey hunt because we had the spring. Right. And uh, Bill didn't take all my time in the spring, so I was able to get out. And, man, and so my passion for turkey hunting, you know, really started in 2002. And from that time on, man, I, I don't miss a season. I, I typically don't miss a day during the season, 48 straight last year to my wife's utter dismay and, and disapproval, <laughs> really. Um, she's a saint. Um, but as a kid, man, growing up, it was it was rabbits, and it was all the small game you could ever want. It was deer hunting. That was king, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we did a little bit of predator hunting, did a lot of coon hunting, uh, ran a lot of dogs, you know, had fun. Um, and, uh, and again, that, that was just, that, that's just what we did. And it was never about, you know, what, what a lot of it is today. There was never a talk about how big the deer was rack wise. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, how much food we were put on a plate, how big our Thanksgiving wild game dinner was going to be and who was bringing the best, you know, it was all about food, man. And, uh, I'm not a stranger to food at 300 pounds still today. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in on that. So, you know, got, got to new England and then Man, that was a that was a whirlwind. Had no idea what that was all about, and then spent you know, you know, built built our family there, you know, mm-hmm. and and there to this day. And just recently moved down to Rhode Island from the state of Massachusetts, and uh, we're we're a little bit freer, yes. which is nice. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, they're doing some pretty incredible things for all you sportsmen that know what I'm talking about. You know, they're they're not getting better no. at what they do in the Northeast in a lot of ways, but but in terms of hunting, man, you know, it's it's a uh, I talked to friends I grew up with and they're like, man, what's it like out there? And I'm like, it's, it's unbelievable, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, that's kind of my whole journey. And, and, and in the time of, you know, that transition of coming to new England, playing football and all this other stuff, we launched our light foundation in 2002, a uh, year after my rookie season was Oh one and, uh, wanted to do something big and give back and help others out and, uh, come from a natural kind of line of teachers and educators. So, mm-hmm. Started working with kids, create our own outdoor programming, and we've got youth hunts, and we've got timber framing camps, and it's it's all falls under the Light Foundation's leadership umbrella. And uh, mattlight72.com, that's where you, you can find any information about what we do and how we do it. But, man, it's real simple. Just spend time with young people, mentor, hold them accountable, push them a little bit, and uh, – you, you end up seeing some pretty cool things. It's kind of crazy because like like yourself, like mine, when growing up, if I don't know my life would be without the outdoors. So I think as far as like the Light Foundation and, and making those kids accountable and being part of these things like, you know, like you said, cabin building, hunting, whatever, it's not something, especially in New England, it's not a big thing because us in New England as New Englanders, we have to kind of hide the fact of being outdoorsmen. So for kids, like they don't get to grow up in that. They don't get to see that. They don't get to be part of that. So I think a foundation like yours definitely booms that for them and blooms it in in, a, in an early stage. Yeah, and you know, I think it's an interesting concept, right? Like I'm, I'm a big fan of if you're doing the right thing for the right reasons, then you never shy away from it. And and it's unfortunate that there are a lot of people that have to not share their excitement of what they do in the outdoors out of fear of you know, hey, maybe they don't get the next promotion, mm-hmm. or or they don't have a job anymore. I mean, that's that's very unfortunate, you know. And, and you're talking about really just total ignorance because the reality is. If you're in the hunting community, um, there's not a better place, right? I mean, you, you could look at, you know, church, um, you know, a hunting community. I mean, they're, you know, to me, they're, you know, they're filled with really good people, you know, doing really good things. And by the way, you know, also creating amazing opportunities for a lot of other people. I mean, this industry brings, you know, a lot of dollars to local towns and to state you know, coffers and, you know, fills a lot of buckets, mm-hmm. you know, and, and probably the most important bucket is the fact that we get to enjoy wildlife here in this country in a probably finer fashion than anywhere else mm-hmm. on the planet because we're free. <laughs> Look, people that want to go out in the outdoors and hunt are the very first people, and I'm preaching to the choir, but they're the very first people that are going to make sure that that resource is renewable. You know, everyone else likes to talk about it. But they don't pull the trigger on no, actually doing no, no. very often. It was funny. Last night at the Grand Old Opry, they were talking about – there was a couple of different artists that got up. And they were talking about how some of them talk about, you know, being conservationists or, you know, the outdoors and stuff. But there's very few of them that actually do and be conservationists. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And and 
that actually try to push forth. And us as hunters, all the people that are in this room today, they're all true conservationists because they do not. I don't. Do you want it turkey hunting to go away? Because I sure as heck don't. There's no way. I if I lost turkey hunting, I don't know what I would do honestly. Because it's and you coming from a deer hunting perspective to then turning turkey hunting, like you don't want to lose that. That's one of the greatest things in the world is turkey hunting. That's a fact. I mean, the spring is a great time of year, but only when there's goblin and, you know, <laughs> tick pulling and, you know, everything that comes with chasing birds, you know. And, and you know, you, you, again, take it to the to the northeast. You have, you know, you got your mountain birds, you got your mm-hmm. coastal birds, you got your, you know, you got your crazy-ass inner-city birds, you know. I mean, you got anything that you could possibly want. I call them backyardigans, you know. You got the one where the, you know, Karen's, broadcasting the seed bird you yep, know yep. and uh <laughs> you know it's but it, yeah i mean i tell you we're, we're very fortunate to do what we do and and how we do it and uh and, and that's one of the things we focus on with the light foundation you know um you know a kid wants to get involved they want to be a part of our rhode island youth hunt um where they you know they get to come they, they stay at my cabin overnight they get to meet other kids they get to you know work on a variety of projects not just hunting you know we're, we're a leadership academy we we focus on leadership in everything we do. And, you know, at first glance, you may say to yourself, well, you know, what's, what's hunting have to do with leadership? And I would argue everything. I mean, it starts with it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a leader is a responsible person that, you know, holds themselves accountable and, you know, does the right thing, you know, regardless of, you know, anything else. They set an example. Well, you better have those qualities if you're going to, you know, be carrying a firearm, you know, out there around other people mm-hmm. in the in the woods, right? You better be responsible with you know, how you do things. You better be ethical. I mean, these are all the same qualities that, you know, were modeled for me with uh, incredible mentors and uncles and aunts. And I mean, heck, my grandmother could outshoot most men till the day she died, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, anyway, you know, I just I, I just think that when, when you when you look at kids through the outdoors and, and especially with what we do with our programming, you know, what, what a great tool. And, yeah. and we see it day in and day out. And these kids have to work. Like, listen – it's okay to give some kid things, right? That, that, you know, at times, and there's a lot of organizations just give kids things. We want to be competitive. You know, if you want to come in and take a part in this, you know, you're going to have to get an application in on time. If it's a day late, it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. And there are no exceptions. I don't care if you're my cousin. I don't care. Who, I don't right. care if you're my own kid. Right. It doesn't matter. Um, you got to fill out an essay and that essay is going to have something to do with something real. And you're going to get graded on that essay in the top 10 or the top 20, those will be the kids that come to that camp. And at the same time, you're also battling, you know, a lot of times kids don't take the time to fill out a college scholarship application, let alone do a youth hunt. So you really got to preach to them, hey, man, this is something you should try. You know, you got to get other people. You got to get aunts and uncles and grandparents to push the kids around them. And uh, what we found is when they do it, they come in, a lot of trepidation. They're, you know, you can see they're kind of quiet off in the corner and, they don't really know everyone, and they're out of their comfort zone. And, man, by the end of that hunt, boy, they're telling the biggest story. Their bird got 20 pounds heavier. <laughs> spurs were at least an inch longer. You know, beard was dragging the ground, tripped over three times. You know, it's pretty amazing when you see them come out. What 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 kind of started it for you to want to even do the Light Foundation, and, and where did it all evolve from? You know, I think, again, you know, my mom taught music for 35 years in the local school system. My dad taught at the college level, but was a world-class engineer and teaches that can play any instrument on earth. And just, he's just a natural born teacher as well. And, you know, I just, I, I, I like to serve other people. I like to see other people have success. And, you know, here I am getting paid a lot of money to do something I never thought I'd ever be doing. Never saw an NFL game in my life. Had no idea where the Patriots were even located. You know, I mean, I, I'm dead serious, right? right. Like, I'm a, that wasn't in my vocabulary. No one in my family. They're all crackheads now. They watch, you know, oodles of football. They know more than I'll ever know. Right. I don't watch football. But, you know, it, it, I guess for me, you know, I'm just sitting there saying, I can't believe they actually let me come in here. Right. And now what am I going to do with it, right? Like what's, you know, my grandmother, I tell a story all the time. My grandmother always said, to whom much is given, much is required. I thought she wrote that. Definitely comes from the Bible. Kind of a little bit bigger right. than my grandmother. Right. And so, but the, but the same premise, right? Like, all right, man, you got this. What are you doing? And, and how are you going to make an impact? So I've got amazing friends and family. We have a staff that's as dedicated as, I mean, it's the best team that you'd ever want to play on. And uh, they well, do the work of a small army. Well, they're held accountable, obviously. They're, well, yeah, they model everything we <laughs> right. do. And that's really important, man. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's, that's a fact. Um, 
you know, when you're when you're working with kids, especially kids that come from some rougher backgrounds or, you know, aren't living, you know, the 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 average lifestyle, right? Right. I mean, pretty easy for them to look at you and call you out. Right. You know, you tell me to do this, but you do that. Well, that doesn't work too well. You know, so you gotta earn some trust, which means you gotta walk with them. And so uh yeah, we got a great group, man. We we love what we do. Uh my whole family's involved, my wife, my kids. They all give up their summers to go help run camps. My mom and dad, my in-laws, I mean, everyone, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, they all get recruited and they all jump in. And that that allows us to do, you know, we have a very small staff that does the work of a very large staff. I mean, just to maintain 600 acres, I could use 18 people. Mm-hmm. We don't hardly have half that on the payroll. Wow. So and that's just to maintain property, let alone, you know, so it just speaks to, you know, what you can do with people that believe in a mission uh, and, and you're working hard and they get to see the results of what that is. And, you know, we've been cranking for, you know, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 20... 22 years now. Wow. So. And and it's mostly, it's a summer camp. Well, no, it's it's interesting. So it's I call it the Field of Dreams, right? We build it. Now people come. Um, we've got, uh, so we've got our facility in Ohio. We bring in kids from all over the country. We've got kids from the Passamaquoddy tribe up in Maine that we fly out every summer, take part for about 10 days, and that's where we get real and have our campfire and fireside chats and career educational tours and where they get to meet, you know, CEOs and business leaders and, and see behind the scenes on some major companies. We got uh, community service projects that we require, you know, them to participate in and fulfill. I mean, we do some really cool things in the summer with a wide variety of camps, but it's, it's pretty much a April to November situation. We do shut down a little bit over the winter, not a whole lot going on, but you know, and it's not just our program. So we got about 7,500 kids that come through our camp of those 7,500 kids, you know, probably, oh, say a thousand are directly related to our program. A lot of those come from other organizations that utilize our property. So if you're working with kids and, uh, you know, you're a nonprofit and you want to use our facility, it's free of charge. That's another service that wow. we provide. And so when we're not using it, they get to use it. And man, we have all kinds of stuff out there. You know, kids, you know, we have band camps. They'll come out and they'll utilize it. So it's a wide variety, mm-hmm. but we want to be a great resource and a great and one for other people doing great things. I love it. I love it. What what kind of new things do you have coming for the Light Foundation? Well, I'll tell you what. We're bringing our uh, Light Project. It's an acronym, um, and it's, it's all geared to, towards getting first graders excited about reading, like real paperback books. So we provide 72 books, just a random number we chose um, 72 books for all these classrooms for every first grade and uh, we're going to be bringing that program to the northeast it's been really successful in ohio uh, in the communities we serve we actually took it to missouri and then we're going to take it uh, to the northeast so we provide all the books the kids have an incentive to read these books and check them off the list and then they get to take you know in the case of ohio they get to come out to our camp they get to do all kind of cool things it's all outdoor based books you know they get to bury underwear and and then dig it up later and see what kind of stuff was living in it and how it got broken down you know cool kid yeah. things right they get to go out and find leaves and match them up to the book that they read and you know take them home and press them or they get to create little projects and little bird feeders and things that they get to take home and then if they do all the books they get to bring their family out with their siblings and utilize and do a nature walk and hang out so you know we're excited about that program bringing that to the northeast um we have a we have an amazing um raffle that actually we call them sweepstakes now that we just launched Mm -hmm. and uh boy i'm excited about this one so we're sitting here at nwtf in nashville with everybody that's ate up about turkey hunting right and we just launched a video that it's a documentary like a netflix style documentary Mm -hmm. people can go to turkeytouchdown.com they can also go to madlight72.com. They can find a way there. But turkeytouchdown.com, and you will see a friend of mine who went down to Florida 
for his first ever hunt. And he was hunting Osceolas. He ends up shooting the very first animal of his life, a 44-pound albino Osceola, pure white. He's got it mounted in his house to this day, Mm -hmm. and he's featured on the cover of Florida Game and Fish magazine. And we sold that hunt at our biggest fundraiser event. We have a, a event called the Celebrity Shootout at Addyville East Farm. 20th year this year, by the way. It's a big event. Over 500 shooters. Great time. We sold it one year. We did it the following spring. So sold it in September. Did the hunt in the spring. And then the following September, we sold the same hunt. And at that point, we get him up on stage. I said, hey, dude, you got to get up. We're going to sell this thing again. It's probably going to bring 30000 It's going to be a big win. If you tell your story about what you did, these people are going to lose their mind. It could right. go huge. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's been busting my chops. You know, he's the best hunter in the world. Like, you've never killed anything that's right. in the record books. I'm on the cover of Florida Game of Fish, <laughs> which he is. Right. And 200 copies they sent us in advance. He was signing them for people. Dude's never killed anything in his life, right? <laughs> so he gets up on stage, and he's talking about how he's the Tom Brady of turkey hunting, which is hilarious. And, of course, we titled our documentary that. And he also said things like, I killed the Moby Dick of turkey. You know, like, he's just, he's just <laughs> going off. And then I said, hey, man, we did shoot a video of your hunt, and we play this video – at which point, in front of 500 people, he finds out that I bought a broad-breasted white turkey and I put it in the woods, <laughs> and he actually shot that thing, had it mounted, was on the cover of a magazine that I created that he was signing for people. It is one of the greatest all-time stories. And when people watch it, 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 to this day, tears roll out of my eyes because his reaction in front of 500 people watching this video for the first time after a year is the most priceless. And by the way, I would never do this to somebody I didn't love. He's a board member. I mean, this guy's helped us raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> and I love him to death, Mr. Jamie Marshall. But it is an awesome story. But here's the kicker. It's not about watching a video, right? right? I mean, it, well, it definitely is. But the real heart of it is the fact that what's real is the work we do serving kids through our youth mm-hmm. hunts, through our, our you know educational camps, you know, through holding them accountable in our leadership academy. That's what it's all about. And we give people an opportunity. Ten bucks, you could win a trip of a lifetime. So if you've never hunted Osceola's, or if you want to go to the famed Gilchrist Club, which you can't get into, it's a private club. It's like 30,000 acres of paradise. More birds than you could shake a stick at. We've got your all-access ticket. Everything's paid for. Airfare to get there, the whole nine. And, and these sweepstakes have been huge for us. Mm-hmm. More people to share it, more people to see it. More people that take a chance with 10 bucks, 20 bucks, get $100 worth, whatever you want. Yeah. You know, when you win, it's big. And we got Mossberg coming on board. They're throwing in a shotgun of the winner's choice. You know, we've got other prize packages from Struck Commander and Quaker Boy and all these other brands. Mm-hmm. So if you don't win the big one, at least you got something. But it's a, it's a really cool uh, – I'm, I'm excited to see how this one goes. That's awesome. And I had noticed kind of on the website, too, is if you spend $10, you get 10, 10 tickets. But if you get 20, it goes up and you start to increase so it's not – yeah, it's, it's not 10 for 10, right, exactly, Yeah, which is kind of cool because you got a couple more chances for your buck. Yeah, and the way I look at it, man, like, you know, I, I participate in these, and, mm-hmm. and these things have been big. We actually we actually created a technology to run these ourselves, right? You know, if you, you work with some of these other organizations, you may pay 60% of the overall proceeds just to do it. Right. In our case, about 96% goes directly to the foundation. There's really no overhead which is another beautiful gift, you know. It's uh, So these things can be big. Gronk and I did one for the Super Bowl one year, 900 or 830,000 in nine days. Jeez. And, and it's people just taking a chance on, you know, I'll, I'll get $100. I think our average spend was 20 bucks. Right. And, and every time, every time we've done these, the winner that gets picked, they're the coolest people on earth. Mm-hmm. Never had like a jerk, never had like a whatever. They're always the coolest people ever. Right. I mean, they, they appreciate it, you know, they, mm-hmm. and, they, and we have a ball. So I'll be down there. I'll be guiding. You know, this place is incredible. So, you know, hey, I always tell people, look, you got a cousin, you got a friend, you got somebody that's ate up with hunting or they love football, whatever. You know, we, we, man, you don't even have to go kill a bird. I mean, we can just talk shop. Right. I don't really care. Wanna but just hang out. Yeah. So get it for a friend. I mean, if they win, they owe you for life. You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> it costs you 10 bucks, and this guy's, well, when I need your truck, Roger, I, I'll, yeah. I'll be coming over every Thursday. Yeah. And you're going to shoot an Osceola at that. Yeah, man. It, this place is, we shot a lot of birds down there. Place is uh, legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, good time. Because Osceola hunting is not an easy an easy thing to get part of, or, you know, it's a little bit tougher now. Everyone's kind of figured out what it's all about and how it works. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, they are, they're all looking for the Grand Slam, and, and everybody in Florida knows that. Right. And they know that you can only go to one spot. So whether you're with the Likes Brothers and the bazillion acres they own in s- southern Florida, you know, or you're up in the northern part, you know, um, it's tough to find ground to hunt. Mm-hmm. Those birds get pressured a lot. You know, you got them big old long legs and dark wings, and it's a cool bird, man. You know, I'll tell you one thing. You be real careful. Them bull gators, copperheads, and water moccasins, and rattlesnakes. Other than that, man, it's a breeze. You can run around naked. So I was actually invited to go down there and guide, right, to, to guide Osceola's for, for a spring early. And I was and I started reading up on it, this, that, and, you know, and, and you hear about it all the time. And then they started talking about the snakes and the everything else. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just stay to, to the northeast. We don't have to worry about them like that. You know? But if we had a bird, you're, you're hunting a lot of logging roads and skitter roads and, you know, a lot of pine plantations and whatnot, right? I got a bird that hammers, and he's around this bend on this uh, skitter road, really. And there's a channel. They got a lot of channels cut through there, and it's all swamp ground. And so they channel this water so they can irrigate with it and whatnot. And I decided to jump into this thick stuff, and I'm, I've got like maybe 10 inches to the water's edge. And it's down a little bit, right, but it's right there. And then I got the road to my left. So water on my right, the road to my left. And I'm set up, and I know that when this bird comes around this bend, it's game on. And – I'm waiting. I, I floated a couple more notes. He hammers again. He's a little closer. I'm like, all right, we have a chance, right? Next thing I hear is a very foreign sound. And the only thing I could say, if I could do it, it'd be like almost like a, a humming. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's interesting. And I can't really pinpoint it other than I know it's to my right. When I finally look over, I didn't want to take my attention away, and I really wasn't sure I wanted to know what it was. And when I look over, there's a bull gator docked maybe three feet from me, and the water's dancing on his back. And I've seen that on TV, but I've never seen that in color, like right in front of me. And I will tell you that I did get up, and I walked away from killing that bird, which I guarantee I would have killed, in my mind anyway. (laughs) But I was not willing to tussle with that guy. Oh. No, it was it was game over, and I I said I'll, I'll pick a new fight. And he didn't he didn't react when you went to move or anything like nah, that. No, no, I think he I don't think he probably would have ever done anything. And if I had somebody that was a little bit more versed in that kind of a situation, I probably would have taken their advice if they said just sit there. But I wasn't doing that on my own. No. You're from the Midwest, never seen anything like it. Moved to New England, we have nothing like that no. there. And then you go down there, and then now it's it's just foreign land. Yeah. Now now I have seen and taking part in moving a giant, like, 13-foot gator from Southwick Zoo. I've seen guys tackle that and been a part <laughs> of that. And that, But, yeah, other than that, no experience, huh? You never thought for any second to jump onto it and try and just kind of relocate it or anything like that? No. no. <laughs> I shot one with my bow. Had a muzzy gator getter kit, and uh, that, that was an experience. And that, that still wasn't that comfortable. I did jump on that one's back, but he was – you know, he's highly compromised at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't full of vinegar and and angry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't play around with things like that. Snakes, I love snakes. Do you I lo- love a lot of things? But um, not 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 gators. I can't get down with the. I'll, I'll get down with the gators. The snakes, not so much. I can't. The thing is yeah. that, they, especially in the surprising aspect of it, like hunting down in Maryland and stuff down in the Eastern Shore, there's a ton of snakes, a ton of stuff. I'm petrified of snakes. I'm a little schoolgirl. You'll see me 275 run across water instantly because I'm just petrified. Um, but the gator, I'll mess with those. But anything else, snakes, the surprise factor because you never see them. Yeah, it's like spiders. No. Oh, yeah. No one loves spiders. No. If you do, you're a sicko. Yeah. Yeah. You're a weirdo. You are. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, exactly. So are you doing your um, your your youth hunt again this year? We are. We're going to be, I believe it's the 21st. It's that weekend, 20th, mm-hmm. 21st. We have our youth hunt in Ohio. It's like around the 14th, so 13th, 14th, 15th, uh, and the following weekend. Um, you know, they, they got the youth week in Rhode right. Island, um, same in, in Connecticut, right? Right. And we're going to be on that on that tail end of that that youth weekend, um, man, it's a, it's a great time. We're going to have, we're going to have these kids out last year, um, went, you know, 10 for 10, all kids got a bird, um, first morning and got to hear all their stories and get together and they all get to stand up and give their account of what happened. Man, it's great. Have you ever had like one of those one-off moments that like, you're like, I I'm doing this for the right reason. 
that was just kind of like you know because like all of us we we you know we work with youth we do different things with different people and there's that one one time that just like the gates open the sun's out and you're just like this is why i do what i do yeah you know man i think uh early early like 15 16 years ago when we held our first one in ohio youth hunt for turkey uh had a young man that just wanted to get one done with his bow and my first 10 years of hunting birds i wouldn't touch a shotgun if you paid me mm-hmm. i mean there's nothing in me that ever wanted to hunt with a gun period let alone kill a bird with a gun so when this kid said that i said well i know who i'm taking and we're gonna have fun and man i'll tell you what right out the gate birds come in this kid was cool calm made a good shot but uh bird ran off like they do mm-hmm. you know and part of it I said, man, so we're going to give him time. I know where he's going to go. I said, uh, so, you know, I remember in that blind, that kid went from nervous and excited to be out hunting to, man, I just screwed up. And then when you get to see the full swing, you know, never done it before, a little bit anxious, a little bit nervous, birds gobbling, he's freaking out a little bit. Once he draws, he settles in, makes a great shot. And then the bird walks off, and he's thinking, I just lost my one opportunity to get something done, right? So uh, I said to him, I said, hey, man, I said, uh, when we walk down here, this dude's going to try to get in the thickest, gnarliest stuff. You just keep an eye out for him. Right when I crest this hill, and I'm looking down into this this river bottom, this creek bottom, I, I could see the bird's tail. And I was just waiting for him to – and he's, he's kind of looking. He goes to walk down the hill. I said, hey, man, let's just stay here, just scan – and when he sees that bird, I said, can you put an arrow in him? He said, yeah. And he did. And we go down and we get this bird. Now, he looked god-awful. Two arrows wet down in a river mm-hmm. bottom and a whole bunch of skunk cabbage. Right. But that kid's face in the picture, I'll never forget. You know, like that, you know, look, and you don't have to have success to have those moments. Right. You know, I you mean, it's, it's not about killing the bird. It's about mm-hmm. watching a kid shaking with a bird hammering, you know, 15 feet behind mm-hmm. him that he never got to see with his eyes, but he – he got to experience so and, and the stories that come along with it after yeah they just lit up and they you could i mean especially with the youth and and you've probably know this more than anybody is that you can change a kid's life almost instantaneously and and, it, and it's crazy that you know you could bring them deer hunting you can bring them bear hunting you can bring them whatever but for some reason the wild turkey for the youth is probably one of the best things that it will it will change a man's life. It engages them. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not. Look, I'm I'm not a sit and wait. And by the way, as we're sitting here having this conversation here at NWTF, we have a legend that just walks in, Mr. Bob Fulcher. And if you haven't met Bob, you should, because he's a world class caller, call maker, guy does it all, and he's also one of the guides at our youth hunt in Ohio. Uh, so he's an Ohio guy, and I'm going to be getting Bob some amazing wood so he can make some cool calls because I've been thinking about that lately. But a little shout-out to him. And if you guys listen and want to check him out, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an experience, man. He makes some world-class calls. But, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a long history. So, um, But, yeah, man, I'll tell you what. When it comes to the, those moments, right, um, it, it's amazing. It's, it's just amazing that I have kids that call me to this day that I guided 15 years ago. Wow. And they're like, man, I just, you know, went and hunted Alabama for the first time. And it was unbelievable. You know, it's, it's a connection that's, that's pretty special. That's cool. So, so they go on and do bigger things and stay right with it. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, they, they get hooked. You know, it's uh, – gosh, I could go on for days about the things that we've mm-hmm. done with kids and the outdoors and the experiences and – you know, take a kid that doesn't say a word, and then after he kills that bird, it becomes, you know, just a motor mouth Jones, man. You can't keep him quiet. So it's pretty cool. That's a feeling that, that I don't think that many people get to feel, honestly. I think, you know, it's 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 just incredible. It, it, it I get lost for words. You you kind of do, too, because you're just like, it's it's unexplainable. It's honestly unexplainable, and it and it really, it honestly just comes from the heart, and it just, you feel it. It's a weird feeling that's... And, and I, lo- I love I, – I walk kids to death. You know, they, they all hear it from the other guys. Like, hey, you better be ready. You're, you're going to walk forever. <laughs> I mean, I, I, look, the way I'm a I, – call it run and gun and call it, you know, just a lack of patience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care if I bump 50 birds. I, I really don't. I want the one that's – you know, he woke up that morning and he said, it's time for me to die. Yep. And he's going to let you have everything he's got. I mean, that's the bird I want. And so we're going to go find that bird eventually. Mm-hmm. We may hit – 
25 properties in two mornings, but we're going to find that bird. And when we find that bird, you know, we're going to get, we're going to get in close. We may not get it done, but we're going to get in close and it's going to be personal. And you're going to have a serious experience. Oh yeah. Man. Totally different. And we may find 30 sheds along the way. Right. You know, we may, I may pick up, I don't know, 50 yellows and a couple pepper top. I mean, we may get a lot of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. We may go home with a lot of cool stuff. Right. May not be a turkey. Yeah, you know, that's whatever. all right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you know, right now, you know, and again for all the New Englanders, right? Right now is such a special time, right? Because uh, there's a void, obviously, between end of deer season. So mm-hmm. for us in Rhode Island, it's it's you know, last day in January. You close the books completely on that if you haven't already. You move on, um, and then you get to predators. Like I've been, man, it's been predator chaos. It's been the best year ever. <laughs> Come on, really? Oh man, yeah, it's just just unbelievable. Coyotes, unreal. Uh, you know, you get an opportunity to. I, I got buddies of mine that do really well with the bobcat and mass. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't think you guys have a season for bobcat. no, not yet. No, they're working on it, but only trapping only in Connecticut. Okay, yeah. all right. So yeah, it's it's a it's just you know to me, you know that and that takes you back to old school. If you can mm-hmm. get a trapping license and go out and do that, man, that's Run a trap line. There's nothing better. And I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, and we don't talk about it a ton on the podcast, but trapping is, is so important to the turkey because, like, your ground predators, they're, they're some of the worst. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of messed with the population, especially in New England, um, because there is no trapping because the the cost for, you know, the payout for fur is nothing. So, like, yeah. that, the heritage of that trapping is totally gone. Well, and it could easily come back, right? I mean, mm-hmm. look, the bottom line is, you know, all these folks that are running around with their $2,000 Canadian goose or a Canada goose, however you want to say it, mm-hmm. jackets, that's all, you know, that's all coyote tail mm-hmm. that's wrapping that liner, you know, on the on the hood. Um, people want it. They just don't want to say that they want it. Right. And it, by the way, what, what better resource? You want to stay warm? You got a beaver blanket. You're not going to go cold. No. Right? I've been... Taking care of a lot of beaver buddies of mine, they got, you know, licensed to trap for Mm -hmm. cities and municipalities and, Mm -hmm. you know, try to keep up with all the damage those suckers do. Mm -hmm. And you got to keep them under control, right? And, well, instead of just throwing them out, I mean, you got three things that come from a beaver. You got their their plume, their their pelt, right? Right. That's amazing. And I flush them all out. I skin them all out. I save every one of them, board them all. You know, they're an amazing resource. Beautiful. Mm Then you got the casters that you can use if you're trapping or just attracting anything. Mm-hmm. And then you got the beaver itself, which is the number one food source for any predator on planet Earth. End of story. Whether you're going for bear or coyote mm-hmm. or whatever you want, that's the number one. So it's pretty cool when you think about a resource like that. And again, yeah, why throw that out? It, it's crazy because to add to that, there's, there's a lot more. A, beaver and beans, right, for us. I mean, I don't know if you ever had it, but it's an incredible food source for, for humans damn too. Good. Um, the other thing is they, you know, beavers have the oil, which is another really usable thing. We use it a lot in scents and trapping, and they oh, use yeah. it in perfumes. They use it in that. One of the other things um, is the tails. They, they use the tails a lot for fishing lures. There's a place called Beaver Tail Lures, and they make and they dry it out, and they use it for fishing lures. Well, and all that leather, too. I mean, people make beautiful works of art you know, with, the, with the leather. And, and, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, there's so much you can get. I mean, look, beaver is what created the, the onslaught to, to or, the, or the impetus for people to really come here, right? Mm-hmm. You think about all the companies that were formed, from the Hudson Bay to you name it, whether it was the Spaniards or the French or the English. I mean, everybody wanted a piece of it. And then they got this thing called silk. Things changed. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, but you go back and you look at the history of trapping. You look at a guy like Tom Miranda, mm-hmm. right, and, and what he's done. And there's an Ohio guy yep. who was running a trap line all of his life, right? And there's so many other really accomplished hunters that would say, hey, man, if I didn't trap, I wouldn't know half of what I know. Right. You know, and I think it's just a – and it's a cool thing. Again, it's a, it's a way to survive between the end of deer season and the start of turkey season. It really is. So, you know. <laughs> it brings you almost right into turkey season. I mean, it's almost April when we yeah. stop we stop trapping. But uh, some of the best outdoorsmen's that I know to this day, the biggest people that, you know, we look up to as kids, they were all started as trappers. Mm. You know, I'm Fred Eichler, Tom yeah. Miranda. I mean, they oh, were yeah. all they were all big time trappers. And one of the things I'll tell you and and you had said this before is that the, to 
you know, it, it's like a light switch that it could bring back, the, you know, the furs and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, one of the, the places that did bring it back in the past two years was Yellowstone. Yellowstone brought back beavers to 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 an extent that I've never seen before where we're getting upwards of $20 for the pelts green. We're not even mm. fleshing them, and they're taking them because what they're doing with them is they're using the leather for the cowboy hats. So Yellowstone flipped it right around, and now us as trappers, we're putting up a ton of fur. We don't have to do a lot of the work, and we're still getting money on them. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. Which is great. One of the negatives to that, because there is always a negative to it, is that the heritage of fleshing, putting up, it's it's kind of, you know, we kind of lost that as yeah. far as, you know, in that in that aspect. Well, when know? I was a kid, man, we could go drop off a whole coon and get mm-hmm. a $20 bill. Yep. You know, that's when the Russians were setting the market, and mm-hmm. boy, man, we would stack them up like cornwood. Yeah. You know, that's when, <laughs> and, then, and then overnight, it, you know, heck, it, they weren't worth the shell you, you spent dispatching them, you know? Nope. But uh, still, still a lot of fun hunting yeah. with dogs and Ugh. some of my best memories, man. Running, running dogs late at night, and you know you, when your dog passed up a possum to stay on a coon, you knew you had a good one. You had a good dog. <laughs> They're hard to find. Oh yeah, yeah. My cousins are like world class with these squirrel dogs. They got these mountain curs, mm. and they've been featured in everything. And uh, man, that, that's another cool dog to watch. Looking up in the tree, watching these squirrels jump from limb to limb, and that's yeah, about as much fun as you can have. And, and I'm a big – I got my own butchery, right? So mm-hmm. I can do everything with bone saws or whatever. I mean, we do, mm-hmm. you know, racks of venison. We do, you know, T-bone cut. We do any cut you would do with beef right. at a very high-end, you know, kind of presentation. But to me, man, I mean, I process probably 60 to 80 deer a year. Wow. You know, elk, moose, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about as good as it gets anymore. I mean, I get as excited to butcher as anything else. And that whole art of butchery has kind of gone to the wayside. Mm. I mean, people don't know how to do that. People don't know how to do hanging beef no more. They don't know how to do that. They pay somebody to do it. Right. And there's not even the people that they pay. They don't really. It's not a big thing. It's not an art like it used to be. I mean, growing up, I grew up on a meat farm, so we would do hanging beef, hanging cow. I mean, hanging pigs, everything. Yep. Guys don't know how to do none of that stuff no more. They don't enjoy it. They pay somebody else to do it. You know. Yeah. The whole art of it is kind of gone. So it's nice to see. Do you teach the kids and stuff like that? Some of that stuff. We or? do. We've taken kids to big, you know, butcheries, you know, big outfits to see from start to finish, mm-hmm. you know, how things actually arrive, mm-hmm. what they have to do, you know. I mean, and I mean from start to finish, man. Mm-hmm. From a captive bolt gun to stretching it on a wall to you know putting it through the process, having it quarter it, whatever it may be, uh, to finish product packing. Um, you know, I, I think it's an. I think it's honestly. You never get. I never get tired of doing it. No. There's always a new way to do something. Mm-hmm. There's always a little bit of a differentiator. There's a way you package it. I mean, you know, from vacuum sealing it to you know the initial cuts. I think all of it's great. I like to hang my deer for at least two weeks okay. in the hide, mm-hmm. right? Which is the most important thing, right? Pull the fish, get those inner tenderloins out. Other than that, let that sucker age. And um, I think two weeks is a sweet spot. I used to do three. Mm-hmm. I used to do my elk about five weeks, which is a little crazy, but you know, breaks down a little bit more. You lose more than you really need to right. to get the flavor profile and the consistency you want. But, man, I, I tell people all the time, man, if you can do it, you know, even if you just make a little cold room, you know, it's easy to do it now. You got all these sip panels or insulated, you know, mm-hmm. f- spray foam or whatever. You don't need much. You know, you can have a, a climate-controlled area with a little cool bot, mm-hmm. you know, cheap money, and you can start aging your product. And I can tell you one thing. If you come to my house and eat, and you've never had wild game, you would not know you're eating wild game. Mm-hmm. You know, these people that talk about a gaminess, I mean, you can take the gnarliest old buck. You know, the, the one that I harvested on my new place in Rhode Island, that dude was a big dude, 236 pounds, you know, um, during the rut, peak rut. Mm-hmm. You know, you could tell yourself, eh, just put all that in burger. Eh, we steak most, you know, we don't do a whole lot of burger. Whole shoulders. Yep. I mean, front shoulders, most people just grind and leave behind sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Man, you can take that off the bone or keep it bone in with the blade and everything. And the hu- that's, that's an amazing cut if you braise it. And, and I think just getting creative like that is going to keep, you know, the sport really going in certain ways. You know, because, again, for me, before I started doing it all myself, I don't think I had near the enjoyment. So right. much better. Mm-hmm. 
and the the end the end result you know where where you have so much more appreciation for what the animal is what it tastes like how you know what i'm saying it's just it's a lot better it it truly honestly is a lot better when you skin it down you put in the work you age it and then when you meal like i mean how many times do you entertain with the wild game because like when everybody comes over what do you want to do you want to share it with them for a reason because you have appreciation and and it's you know it's it's a reward to be able to share with everybody else. We get a lot of my buddies together at our cabin, and uh, our dinners are, are called, we call it game time, T-H-Y-M-E. And we call it preserving our wild sides. And then everybody pitches in. I come up with a menu. We mm-hmm. print off a menu. I mean, we go all Jeez. out, man. I mean, it's like five-star. <laughs> and everybody that we bring into the fold that's a first-timer, they're like, dude, that's the best meal I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, well, why is that? Well, it's pretty simple. I mean, you know, we're, we got... I mean, heck, I put up over 500 pounds of my Takis. You know, I'm about foraging mushrooms, the yeah. buttons, you know, the yellows, the, you know, the brown oaks, you know, everything that popped this past fall was insane. And we're taking all those resources, whether it's something we shot, something we harvested, something we grew in our garden, pulling it all together to create these meals that are just, I mean, you can't get it, right? I mean, that's that's good living. Mm-hmm. That's there's nothing better than that, Matt. I got one last question for you, man. We could close this thing up and get on into the show. Is I want to know, Matt, what drives you outdoors? You know, I think I think just it's a personal challenge, right? Um, I could care less. I mean, look, I, I shot I shot my target buck this year on my farm in Ohio for the first time ever. Wow, ever. I've passed up a lot of giant inched deer, whatever, however you want to judge them, right? giants because i have a rule if it's not five if i don't judge him to be five and what you know we all think we know what age yeah, dude exactly. in a lot of cases you do because you've been watching mm-hmm. it for years but if it's not five i don't kill it end of story no matter how much i love what it looks like that's just my rule um for me you know what keeps me going is how do i how do i do a better food plot how do, how do i manage my food plots better how do I find, you know, is max rest and slay, is that the best, you know, way to treat all this invasive stuff coming in? Can I bring in some cool soil, you know, to top dress areas, especially in a place like New England where it's god awful to work ground? You know, like like how do I learn from my soil samples? How do I use like plot perfection to the best possible advantage to really track historically what I'm doing? And, and then what does that look like? How do I take all that data and make it useful? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like that challenge. I like also the purity of saying, hey, no more cameras, no, no more BS. I'm a bow hunter by heart. My grandfather was really good friends with Fred Bear. My dad's got a collection of bear bows because he grew up going there as a kid and as a bowyer himself. Like, how do I go out with a bow that my dad made out of some Osage from my farm it's a stick bow with a Flemish string that he did with a arrows that he made out of Port Orford cedar with, you know, a, a point that he napped, right? How do I go kill a deer with that? I mean, because that's a challenge. That's- you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. how can I challenge myself through the outdoors in a way that keeps it pure, keeps it engaging, keeps it fun? You know what I'm saying? that you ne- It never gets old. I mean, nope. hey, look. People say the same thing about golf, but I'd challenge anyone to find golf anywhere near as exciting as what we get to see every day. Because I'll tell you what, have one hawk land next to you in a tree stand, and that's better than any day on a golf course. You know? I agree with you. I'll give them one thing. Any day outside is a good day. Right. So whether you know they're hitting well or not, but I'd say any day outside with a weapon or a, or a track to follow or a blood trail beats them all. It really does. Um, Matt, you just want to let everybody know where they can find you, find the Light Foundation, just kind of that kind of stuff, wherever, you know, they kind of want to, you know, touchdowns for turkeys, so on and so forth. Turkeytouchdown.com if you want to check out, you know, this uh, sweepstake. We're running that till March 15th. So you want an opportunity to go down and hunt the famed Gilchrist, that's your chance. Watch that. Uh, MattLight72.com if you want to learn more information about our foundation. And if you want to find me personally, you're just going to go to Middle Nowhere, Rhode Island. I don't do social media, never have, never will. Our foundation does, man. they got a lot of great stuff to track. But, uh, yeah, man, check out, the, uh, check out the video. See the Tom Brady of turkey hunting and uh, give us your thoughts. Awesome. I'll put the link below. And for everybody else, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.